This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. We've been making cheese in Wisconsin since before we were even a state, which may be one reason why we win so many awards for it. It's what happens when a whole state dreams in cheese. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. We've talked to a growing number of active and aspiring restaurateurs, but today we've not had a conversation with someone building a catering and events business. Many of us have a predisposed idea of quote-unquote catered food, but in recent years we've seen a new wave of food events making its way around the country, specifically here in New York City. Amongst others, chefs like Devon Francis and Wally Reyes are sharing their culinary culture in exciting new ways with their guests. And our guests today are doing just that with Eastern European cuisine and building their business, Dacha 46, from the ground up after a successful run of pop-ups, including a term at our previous guest, Libby Lark's space kit or keep in touch. So we're excited to welcome fresh off of a funded Kickstarter campaign, um, chefs Jessica and Trina Quinn. Welcome to the show. We're so excited to chat with you both. Um, we we actually we, we donated to the, the Kickstarter. I guess we Kickstarter. We were part of the campaign. So we're really excited to see it come to fruition. Tell us a little bit about Dacha 46 and you know your pop-up journey to date. Uh so yeah, we we started Dash of 46 in October of 2020 out of our apartment in Bed-Stuy. Uh, we live on the fourth floor and it just sort of started as a project during COVID while both Trina and myself were out of work and we weren't in restaurants and, you know, we were starving for something productive to do with our time. And we were already cooking this Eastern European food for ourselves at home. And it was comforting in a time that was really scary for a lot of us. And it just completely snowballed and blossomed into what it's become today. And tell us what that is today. So we've been doing Dutch at 46 now for just over a year. And we have been very lucky and have had so many of our friends and colleagues and honestly, also people that we never knew prior um, who we've been able to have the privilege to get to know through the process of creating Dasha 46, open up their restaurants and kitchens to us to really let us explore and, and play and really kind of tap into all the different communities in Brooklyn. And we like you had mentioned, and thank you so much for donating. We were able to completely fund our Kickstarter goal and are in the process of looking uh, for a permanent commercial kitchen space for us so we can keep expanding. Super exciting. So the plan is to continue with the pop-ups and, and sort of pivots to catering or, you know, what's the, what's like the, I, that the, the goal. So I think, um, I think the the issue we've been having is I feel like we're not ready to kind of slap a label on it yet. Got and, it. Okay. And I think, you know, for a Kickstarter in order for a pop-up, I guess, to kind of be recognized, it had to fit into a box. So we had to put catering on. Um, although we do do dinners, um, but they're small dinners, essentially. Um, we're not capable of catering with a two-person operation. <laughs> um but I think when we started Dacha, we kind of wanted it to slowly grow. And I think it kind of 
through a lot faster than we anticipated because we were honestly just doing it to, you know, kind of, you know, keep working. And, you know, so I think we're kind of trying to take it slow. And part of Dacha is, you know, we're trying to figure out different streams of revenue, especially after working in restaurants for so long. We saw after, you know, during COVID, like what happens to a business when, you know, it's all or nothing. And I think we're being careful. Yeah, we we kind of saw the reality of what happens when you rely on one stream of revenue and that, you know, stream is essentially just completely combusted uh, because of something that's out of your control. And so I think a lot of chefs and restaurant owners and business owners, I think, started to really reevaluate what the you know, the industry could look like and what would the restaurant model look like? Because it felt like during COVID, while everything was obviously in flux and no one really knew what was going on, it was sort of a a chance to turn the page and rewrite the narrative and the story to, you know, best suit our needs for the first time. And it was something that we realized that we really get to play a firsthand role in. So you guys are currently on the hunt for a commercial kitchen, is that right? Yeah, so we are in our full-fledged looking for a commercial kitchen. Um, the first thing also that we said we were going to do if we made our Kickstarter was get a company car, which we just brought home little Shuba last week. We named her, uh, and hopefully she is going to be our Pilmini mobile that we're going to drive around town. Uh, and and so we we had an exciting announcement that we've been holding off on, but starting this week, we will be launching our retail line of frozen pilmeni going forward. Very cool. And and tell us where are those launching? So starting off, um, the only place that's going to carry them uh, to start currently is going to be uh, Poppies and Cobble Hill. Exciting. And then will you have like an e-commerce D2C model with that too? Or are you planning to try to be like mostly wholesale to, to grocery? And It's going to mostly be wholesale right now. I think it's been nice because we've been able to have this uh, ability to collaborate with these different businesses and foster personal connections with them. And so we, we really like the idea of staying sort of in touch with how we started and having this like small community of people who, you know, have been there since the beginning. And it's, you know, it's nice to have like a small network that, you know, has wanted to showcase what we're making and who we trust. And what's the, t- tell us about your plan, I guess, a little bit. I know that you said you're, you're hesitant to, to check a box, but if you go into wholesale frozen product and it does as well as it should do, how do you, how do you grow? Do you, do you intend to have someone else produce? Because you, uh, you could you know, foreseeably go from zero to 60 with a big account, right? Yeah, so that's one of the things. So like even to go back what you initially had asked, like we we want to do frozen pelmeni, we want to do dinners, we want to do pop-ups, we want to do collaborations. Um, we really like this model. And, you know, obviously it'd be easier if we had our own space where it's a, you know, possible like storefront, you know, facing like customer facing, but, um, you know, that's going to be only one aspect of what we're trying to do. And I think we're going to keep it, you know, within our ability right now to produce, uh, you know, the two of us, which we can do pretty high volume, but, uh, 
yeah, we're, we're going to keep taking everything pretty small and slow, but, you know, do our best to produce like a higher volume. At the same time, if we land a giant account, listen, <laughs> we'll do our uh, best we, to figure it out. We, we talk about profit Whole margins. Foolish if you're listening. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> listen, we, we talk about profit margins all the time. And a lot of the things we do, in all honesty, and I think there's a lot of reservation with business owners giving full transparency, a lot of the things we do and a lot of the pop-ups we hold and, and different projects that we care about that we, we love doing, they don't always necessarily really foot the bill. They don't necessarily, you know, they're not a huge bang for the buck sometimes. So we, we talk about how our Pelmeni really has become our bread and butter. And so, yes, if we got a large account, if that's something that allows us to really tap into that freedom and expansion, we will absolutely say yes, happily. <laughs> but not right now. <laughs> <laughs> but not right now. Not today. What? Uh, but maybe tomorrow. So just because maybe not everybody is familiar and um, you guys have a very specific like region Tell everybody what Palmania is, just in case they don't know. Yeah, so like most cultures, Palmini are sort of, they're, they're the dumpling of Eastern Europe. And um, the peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> yeah, <it's> actually, <laughs> uh, we, we joke about it, but so yeah, they're, they're, they're dumplings. And primarily they come with a traditional filling of uh, minced meat and onion with seasoning and they're just boiled from frozen and you can top them with whatever you want. Most traditional toppings are either smithana, which is like a Eastern European, just thicker sour cream, more like a creme fraiche with dill and lots of pepper. Um, a lot of Eastern Europeans, myself included, love a combination of butter and vinegar. Um, but they really are this, you know, very stalwart, humble dish that, uh, you know, you grow up eating and it's something that every family has their own recipe and their own traditions around it, but it's, it's definitely a, a staple in the region. And where did your recipe come from? Is this a family recipe or is it something you, you all have tweaked together throughout the pop-up? We have definitely tweaked it. We've played a lot with this recipe um, over the years and, you know, with COVID once again, had a lot of free time on our hands. And this was like a project that we just delved into, not you know, uh, looking to create a business out of it, but it was just something that uh, is really comforting to eat. It's comforting to make, it's laborious and time consuming. And it's something that you can really just kind of zone out because it takes a long time. And we make at this point, we're making thousands and thousands of dumplings. Um, but so we, we've definitely played with the recipe and we've been using this recipe for the last year and we're, we're quite pleased with it. And then tell us like why the need came for the Kickstarter. Like what was the impetus and for, for like, why was now the time? What was the impetus? What really like, you know, lit the fire for it? I think for us, we, we really only saw two options. We could either take the leap and dedicate ourselves full-time to Dacha 46, which meant that we definitely needed more capital to do that. Or we would have to take some of our focus away from Dasha 46 and get jobs working in restaurants again. And I think that when we were faced with that reality, we realized that we didn't really want to take any time away from like this baby of ours. Um, and so, you know, we, we didn't qualify for a bank loan because we haven't been in existence for the minimum of two years that's required by most banks. We didn't really want to go the investor out because we're still so new 
And we're still new to the idea of this autonomy and freedom of working for ourselves. We didn't really want to relinquish that freedom really either to an investor. And at least not this early in, you know, in the game where we're really just figuring out who we are, what we stand for, what our voice is. And so we have seen some of our friends do Kickstarter and have great success with it. Our very good friend, Jeremy, who just opened Augie's Counter, uh, we, we noticed actually recently, so we didn't realize it at first, but he had launched his Kickstarter on exactly the same day, one year prior to us. Um, but we, we've just kind of seen sort of the, just the success and the autonomy and the idea of crowdsourcing from like your community that you can have through Kickstarter. So that's, that's sort of why we went that way. And so, and you guys were successful in funding your campaign and you raised, I think it was like, when I looked, it was like 45K about. We ended up walking with just under 42. Just under 42. Awesome. And so break it down for us. Like what, what's, what is that getting you? How much runway does that give you, you know, in terms of like getting to your next project and, and all that kind of stuff? Like where are you spending so, the money? How, yeah. Tell us all the things. Yeah, the idea was if we could find something that would float us for the next six months while we generate a steady stream of revenue, it would get us the car that we needed because uh, a lot of money goes out the window with car rentals and Ubers and all this other stuff. And also, we really do want to be able to do more deliveries. So it was a car. It's definitely equipment. Um, At this point, we've been, like we said, very fortunate with our friends letting us use their their kitchens but it's also definitely time for us to get a kitchen of our own so basically it's equipment it's a lease and it was the car and those were like the three major hitters for us and where so where are you in the process of looking for space what is it that you're looking for and how will that help to like propel the brand to the next phase um we are actually in the middle of possibly at least having a temporary kitchen for a couple months, which hopefully we will be able to announce soon. Um, but once we have that kitchen in place, we are ready to go full throttle to start doing uh, weekly menus, um, which is essentially going to be the same idea as like a pop-up model, but we'll do it several days a week and we'll be able to create consistency for at least a couple months. So everybody can know on this date at this time, you can come to this location and pick up a selection of items from Dacha 46. And along with that, we'll be able to take on more custom orders as well as hopefully do a couple more collaborations, at least uh, over winter for the holidays. I also think a big stress is that, uh, you know, since we started up until this point, uh, we've only really been able to do like Dacha 46 takeout. And so um, we have dreamt of and talked about the moment where we can actually, you know, have a sit down dinner on actual plates and use actual glasses and, you know, kind of really get to live out the dream that we always talk of showing Eastern European cuisine in a different light. That's a little more upscale and it's a little more modern and, it's a little more chic than people, you know, give it credit for. And so hopefully the space will allow for that kind of, you know, entertaining as well. So will that in essence serve as a restaurant? 
We're waiting for I, that. I don't question. want to put the box on there, but it is. It sounds <laughs> a lot like a restaurant. It looks like a restaurant. It smells <laughs> like a restaurant. But if you don't call it a restaurant, maybe it's not a restaurant. <laughs> is it a permitting thing? Is it a legal thing? Are we I mean, treading water I mean, up somewhere? It's a hot dog a sandwich. <laughs> yes. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> I love it. What, but but I but it, what is the you know you're you're intentionally not going for a restaurant. You're intentionally going for something else. Is that you know like is that a lifestyle choice? Is it is it just like you're not ready to be there given like PTSD from being in the industry, or is it just you want to experiment and see what what else what you can it do? Might be a combination of all of it. Um, <laughs> but also, I genuinely think for us, I do. I think a big one really. I think I think that you touched upon it with the lifestyle choice. I think, and we we talk about it with all of our friends and colleagues in this industry that I think we've all gotten so used to just what the industry standard was and what the expectation was. And, uh, you know, like you have a little taste of freedom and you want a little more. And I think that uh, we are trying to figure out how do you not sacrifice yourself while still making people happy and really putting out the best possible product that you can, because there's clearly a way to do it. Um, we are just, it's sort of like an experiment in progress. Mm-hmm. I mean, I definitely think people are doing that now. I think like you're right. People got a taste of like freedom and this work-life balance. And I think we're seeing that reflected in people choosing to have less business hours. And actually it's, it's come up a lot as a theme on this show, this season okay. in particular yeah. of like four day work weeks. Four day, I'm only opening four yeah, days. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that, and seeing that as, I mean, I think Eric from Ursula does that really well and, and Crown Heights with only opening a few days a week and having restricted hours and, or he's five days a week, but you know, and so I think there's, I definitely think like your way is awesome too. It's just, it's been interesting to see this season that's coming up a lot as like people being creative with restricting hours and changing the model a little bit to have more work-life balance, which is obviously deserved and warranted and just needed. Right. Tell us a little yeah. bit about the, um, the market for commercial space that you're looking at at the moment is because you're, you're not looking necessarily at storefront restaurant spaces, right? You're, you're, you have alternative choices and the things that'll fit your budget maybe better, but what, what is it? Is it harder to find? Is it, um, is it something that you could build from the ground up? I, well, that's the thing. It's like, we're not ready for an entire build out either. Listen, if we found our dream space and it needed a build out, maybe it's something that we would consider, but I think it's harder to find something that doesn't, you know, fit the mold because we don't fit the mold. Um, it's not necessarily a commissary kitchen. It's not necessarily a storefront. So it's like, what are you? Uh, we've been touring, you know, a bunch of different places that have the possibility to be a couple of different things, but it's definitely harder to find sort of this place that lives in ambiguity in, in the way that we operate. And so for when, um, when you do find a space, it's the goal for now to continue producing and putting stuff out before you get the space or is like next, are you guys sort of on temporary hiatus? Tell us where you are at this moment. No, we're not on hiatus. We are still very fortunately working out of our friends' restaurants and they're allowing us to produce. Eric's been, uh, from Ursula, been incredible and has allowed us to work out of his space um, for, for months on end. And, you know, and, and in general, also Lonnie holiday has a space and we, we just, we we're very lucky. Our friends are constantly like, whatever you need, if you need a space, but so we're going to be doing our retail full steam ahead as of this weekend. 
And so we're going to be really concentrating on that because it's something that we know that we can sort of fulfill on our end and hopefully have some fun treats in store for the holiday season. And, you know, once we get that kitchen, you know, things are going to look really different for us, but, you know, not, not really on a break as much as just kind of concentrating (laughs) on the thing that we, we can do. It's like trying to figure out how to prep in two or three different spaces based on their schedule and their hours Mm -hmm. and how many different, you know, dinners or events or orders we have. And I think it's just like, it's exhausting. And we're just like, we just need, like, we live on the fourth, you know, floor. And like, we have a lot of our kitchen equipment being stored in our apartment and it's not very big. Like we have dry storage, Metro shelves, everything. And then we're just bringing it to our friends' kitchens constantly. And we're just like, I can't, like, we can't live like this anymore. We're like a mobile (laughs) restaurant. (laughs) I love it. Alex and I lived like that when we were starting till it was like literally the boxes of inventory were starting to like tip over and fall on us on the sofa when we sat down. We're like, it's time to get an office. Yeah, so we get it. It's an important part it's of a, building your business yeah. and a necessary part, especially if you're bootstrapped like like we were and like like you sounds like you are. And, it, and but at some point it does become a, a, a challenge of efficiency. Yeah. And, and yeah. You're spending so much time and then you also you lose your some of your passion for what you're doing because you're you're literally schlepping stuff I, out. Our favorite never saying is still schlepping. never not schlepping. But that doesn't yeah. go away. <laughs> still <laughs> doesn't go away. You're right, Four you're years right. in, it's still like. I mean, no one talks about the unglamorous side of this industry, and it literally is just schlepping shit. <laughs> but I think that's you know what it that's with it, that's just being a business owner, a small business owner. It, there's always going to be unglamorous shit that I think people are like sometimes too proud to say. But like that's why we Alex and I literally joke like once a week. We're like never not schlepping. Ten years in, still schlepping sometimes, and it's just like <laughs> it's just part of like you're the business owner, you're the dishwasher. Sometimes you're sweeping up the floors, and that's just how it goes. Um, Tell us a little yeah. bit about where are you retail? How do people find you? What kind of events are you willing to do? Like, if I'm a customer that's heard about you, seen you on Instagram, how do I each of it? Well, so we're going to be doing um, a pop up um, this week at Poppy's to to launch the frozen pilmeni, which we aren't actually officially announcing until Friday. Um, so starting Friday, the, what date is it? It's the 19th. Uh, starting the 19th, uh, we're going to be launching our frozen Palmini at Poppy's and we're actually in conversation with several other places in Brooklyn. Uh, we just haven't confirmed anything yet, uh, which will, I think our goal is to be able to tap into different neighborhoods, um, so that everybody can. We yeah. want to bring the Pilmini to the people. <laughs> we really Palmini love it. to the people. <laughs> so um, we're going to be doing that. And then hopefully after this week, we'll also have maybe some more information to share with everybody about hopefully we're, we're, we're very, all the, all the teaser. Posts. I wish, I, I wish we actually like, we're not even like trying to tease people. We're like, we're waiting <laughs> to find out. Like we would love to tell everybody, but we also, also I would like to know too. <laughs> I mean, we're a pop-up and we know people are frustrated because, you know, we get messages and they want to know when and where and what and how, and we're like, we would love to do that, but we, we need a kitchen. Like we gotta, we gotta do it right. And so for right now, we're still taking custom orders. Um, what, like I mean, December? We, yeah. I mean, listen, I love the holidays. You love the holidays. We love intimate dinners. Uh, 
you know, Eastern Europeans really take the holidays and celebrations, you know, very seriously. And we actually uh, just started, uh, we updated our custom order sheet. And it's actually, I don't know if either of you have ever been to a Russian banquet hall, um, but our, we call it a concierge sheet. And it, when you go to a Russian banquet hall, they have different tiers that you can order from for you and your guest, And they just pummel you with food and like different tiers of service. So yeah, it's the Dacha experience. And it goes <laughs> from our bronze level of service to our platinum tier. And it basically caters to all sorts of different inquiries and events and as well as budgets. <laughs> and, you know, we just, it's also fun for us to be able to do like really like crazy like you know different events with people or like dinners and obviously right now we have a cap but um we do our best to try to see any of our other friends that are um now working in their restaurants and most often they end up helping us or we help them so yeah it's kind of fun to we kind of take each inquiry and we're like can we do it let's do it let's see who's not working or has a day off and you know, that's kind of where we're at right now until we get that kitchen. So you're crowdsourcing your sous chefs too. I like essentially. (laughs) Yeah. We're taking everybody. (laughs) Awesome. Who's your, who's, who do you feel like your customers right now? Do you feel like you have Eastern European people in New York that have not had access to good food? Do you have, you know, younger people that are interested in trying something new? What's, what's, who's the Dacia customer? It's funny because I think that we have a couple of different demographics that we've tapped into, but the I think it's okay to say and safe to say the Eastern European Jews have come out and they have they come out <laughs> flags from whatever country they came from. They're so proud. They're so excited. Uh, my background's a lot being Ukrainian. And, you know, when we first started this project, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't think I fully understood the scope of what we were doing and how it would impact the community. And, you know, I myself identify as queer. Me and Trina are, you know, a married couple who've created this business, uh, you know, featuring and highlighting this food that is from a region that is widely known for their unpopular opinions and views of the queer communities. And it's been really incredible to see this Eastern European queer Jewish community, you know, really kind of come to us and say, you know, I am so happy to see that you exist or I, you know, ate your food and I felt like I was with my people and I belong and I see my culture and me represented in your dishes. And it's, you know, it's a joy and a pleasure and it's a lot of pressure too, because, you know, we, we know how important that feeling of community and belonging is. But we're also competing with memories. And when somebody is like, this is what I remember this being like when, you know, I was home or like we had a couple people the other day that like were from Moscow and they had such an intense story and they're like, but your Pilmini brought me back or, you know, your Kiefsky brought me back. And it's just like, whoa, like this is real. Like we're doing it. Awesome. Yeah. That's what food's all about. Connecting to people and, you know, creating that emotional response. That's why you do it. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely why we started and it's it's beautiful to see it in action. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. There's a reason when you think of Wisconsin, you think cheese. 
Cheese is a huge part of Wisconsin's history and future. In Wisconsin, the state of cheese, the tradition of cheesemaking excellence began 180 years ago, before Wisconsin was recognized as a state. Immigrants traveled to settle in this lush green hills of Wisconsin, bringing their cheesemaking traditions with them. These storied skills combined with the freshest milk available created a cheesemaking culture that is uniquely Wisconsin. Wisconsin's 1,200 cheesemakers, many of whom are third and fourth generation, continue to pass on old world traditions while adopting modern innovations in cheesemaking craftsmanship. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Um, all right. Well, we like to play a little lightning round game with our, it's not really a game, just like quick rapid fire <laughs> answers. We, we pretty much ask all of our guests the same thing, just like slightly tweaked to whatever uh, their business. With lots of mystery, but here <laughs> <Yes>. we are. <laughs> I know, right? Here we are. <laughs> What's your favorite dish from the, from the pop-up for each of you? Just, uh... <laughs> <laughs> forgot. You like no, it's it's always gonna be the house plomani, our traditional house plomani filled with ground chicken, onion, tossed in sour cream, and dill. <laughs> what um, are a couple other the variations? Oh my god, there's so uh, many. No, I my you favorite guys are your popular ones. I mean, I my favorite, and I think it was a really popular one, uh, was the green disco. I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> We did it in the spring and it was like one of these like weird brainchilds where I'm like, I don't want to just do dumplings. Like I want to cook. <laughs> and so not that it's not cooking. It's just like, sometimes you want to be able to like, you know, experiment, you want to experiment and you want to bring the seasons into stuff. And I think that's what we've been trying to do with Dacha. And so we, uh, it's, um, we use all of our, uh, leftover herbs from like the service before and it's mostly dill parsley and then we add spinach and uh we make this green dough and like you smell it when it comes out of the freezer and it just smells like herbs it's so awesome and we fill it with our hachipuri filling mm -hmm. and um tossed in butter and just the hachipuri is um i'll let you describe it's it it's our play on the Georgian cheese bread, hachipuri. Oh, so, yeah. And so feta, mozzarella, ricotta, and goat cheese. And uh, so we uh, we stuff that dough full of it and uh, toss it. And the green disco specifically was like everything that was green that just came into season. And we just like put it all together. And it was just like... It's spring on a plate. It was just so good. And I think that's... Oh, forever my favorite dish that we've done. I mean, melty cheese never goes wrong. No, <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. <laughs> um, okay, so we just did favorite dish. What's been the best-selling dish at the pop-ups? Hmm. I mean, it's definitely it's the Pilmani again. <laughs> uh, it's the Pilmani and the Soviet cakes. Yeah, I mean, when we started doing um, our shrubs, they, that was a little crazy. <laughs> our shrubs. The yeah. shrubs were crazy. No, um, I also, I do. I think it's the Soviet cakes. You can't really find them in the city anymore unless you go to Brighton Beach. And they're not really making them in-house so much anymore as from, they're getting the like boxed Roshan, like frozen Soviet cakes. Uh, so I, cakes? Sorry, we're, 
Yeah, you got to tell us what all these is. Break it down for us. We're getting, we're getting, I'm like Eastern, I'm like an Eastern European Jew and I have no idea what half of this is. It's like, I'm getting a real education. Uh, in the in the 1950s in Russia, they started uh, in Kiev, it was the Karl Marx Confectionery Company. Uh, and so they were producing all of these like Russian Soviet cakes and they were mass, they were mass produced and they were sold all across all of the former Soviet Union countries. And so there's so many people that have such specific memories. And it's like, if you saw the box, you knew exactly what the person had in the box. But so a lot of the different ones were, so one of the originals is the Kievsky, which is one of the cakes that we do, which is different layers of de croix with a custard mousseline buttercream and it's filled with nuts. And uh, we get a lot of requests for like our Mida Vik, which is our 10 layer. It's a caramelized honey cake. Uh, we do a spatak. So like, it's so many, they like have like dozens of different flavors and assortments. I mean, if you ask like what I'd like to see us do one day, I just want like a whole like cake menu. Like <laughs> I just, a whole Soviet cake menu that people can order from. I just think it'd be great. That's next on retail. <laughs> <laughs> After the Palmini. Yeah. And what about the, um, we always ask this too, what's your best food cost item? Uh, the palmetto. The palmetto. <laughs> 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 you like this? Um, our flatbreads. Yeah, yeah the flatbreads are pretty solid. I think the yeah, flatbreads are our pietoshki. We were doing for a little while. We did a play where we were when we had our residency at Kit. We were doing banya brunch on the weekends, and we were doing uh, this dish. So it was a play on pietoshki and pietoshki are uh, Ukrainian fried like yeasted doughs filled with different things, and we did like a bacon egg and cheese one. One of them had like paprika potatoes, but basically it's like a breakfast donut filled with all of your favorite breakfast staples. And they're actually ridiculously large too. Yeah, so. they were really big. It was like the size of your head, and you could take it anywhere. So it was perfect. Sounds amazing. Um, tell us your favorite or best business resource that you've used today. That can be a person, it could be a website, it could be a book, it could be anything. Oh, all, it's our all our it's friends. Our friends. <laughs> it's like all of our friends. Um, you want to name them? You want to share one specific? Or? All right, let's let's go down the list. All right, <laughs> uh, Eric from Ursula Insurmountable, Lonnie Holiday of Brutus Bakes. Uh, Zara Tangora from Zaza Lasagna, Karen Thomasone from Laird, uh, Woldy from Woldy Cucina, and Jeremy from Augie's. Yeah. I feel like that's been our core of like, anytime a problem comes up, anytime we're terrified, we don't know what we're doing, we call one of them. And I feel like it's, you know, without, you know, without our community, you know, none of this would be possible. So they're, they're definitely our go-tos. Felt like a, an acceptance speech for the Academy Awards. A little bit, but we liked it. I mean, you know, there's we, there are, community is also like talk about themes that come up on the show a lot, and community is always like one of them. And I would say ninety percent of the time we ask this question to people, it's typically another person that they that they say um, for their best resource. I would say like maybe ninety five percent almost every time. So we love it. We love it. We love it. It's awesome to shout out people who've helped you along the way. Um, all right. So next thing we like to do is our opening soon announcements. Any exciting businesses or restaurants or ventures that are opening soon or reopening? You want to shout out? 
We already mentioned Augies. They just finished their first week. And if you're into Hungarian, Austrian food that is so incredibly delicious, we've been there already three times this week yeah. and probably again tomorrow. It's, it's incredible. And Jeremy and his entire team are doing amazing things. And Zaza of Zaza's lasagna, Cesara, uh, they're starting their pop-up again. So she has a residency that's resuming on December 3rd at Shelsky. So every Friday she's taking pre-orders for all of her uh, lasagnas and all the other fixins. And if you have not had the lasagna from Zaza's, like we dream about we it. We actually have like we trade with her a lot, but we've most often every winter had her frozen lasagna and it's just like one of the best we've ever had i love a bartering system yeah. lasagna i know we're like looking it up right now lasagna. Lasagna. It's so good and i think she's actually just posted her menu she's doing a pre-sampling before her pop-up really kicks off with a like thanksgiving offering interesting i'm just curious as um just last question before we wrap up i'm curious as like as we sort of head towards this like new normal and the pandemics, you know, starting to wind down, do you feel like pop-up culture because it became so strong during the pandemic is here to stay as like a long-term sustainable business model? Or do you, or do you think this is, we'll see bridges into something else? I think that some people who started as pop-ups will continue as pop-ups. And then I think there's going to be people like me and Trina who are expanding maybe on what the idea of a pop-up is because I think there's an idea of uh, impermanence in the in the notion of a pop-up. And I think we're trying to sort of find a more grounding way to continue that. But yeah, I, I think they're here to stay. Well, I mean, I think it's a really fun, interesting way to try new things and, and experiment and do, do the industry differently. So cool. Well, we thank you for your time today. Ali, you want to wrap us up? Sure. Tell us, um, tell us where we find you on social and uh, website and all that good stuff. Yeah. On Instagram, we're dacha underscore 1946. Uh, and for all inquiries, we just tell people to send us an email to 1946dacha at Gmail. Well, and this episode will actually probably air next Tuesday. So it will be after your official announcement yes. that you're at Poppies. So if you're listening to this, Dacha is available <laughs> no at Poppies in Brooklyn. No spoilers um, after all. Yeah. You can pick it up there. If you want to find us, we're at Tillit NYC and at We Are Opening Soon. Thank you all so much. Thanks so much for having us. Opening Soon is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org, and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You could also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.